0: And I'm Shay. Together we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true and no one's identity has been protected. Here is Fulfillment Stories Podcast number 78. Before he called himself a boomerang entrepreneur, Nate Griswold had a long history of choosing the past of least resistance. It wasn't until he accidentally found his passion that everything became clear. He was living in the city, jet-setting coast-to-coast for business, and doing quite well financially. But he gave it all up to come home and start his business in Habitect. You might know him as the Green Roof Guy. Here's Nate's story from the January 2020 event. The story starts right here in Traverse City, just a few miles down where the old osteopathic hospital used to be. And uh, you know, I, I consider myself a boomerang entrepreneur, someone that was born and raised locally, pursued an education, and started my career somewhere else. I gained lifelong experiences out in the wild, and I came back and landed right here. It wasn't until 10 years after attending MSU that I realized how much I needed to come home, to really come alive. So I was born to young parents. We were doing things a lot of hipsters consider cool today. they were doing what they needed to do to raise three children. My mother had me the day after her 20th birthday. My sister was already two and a half years old at that point and my brother came along about two years later. So she had three kids before she was 22 years old and my father was only 25. So I could not imagine having three kids at that age. Um, my wife Deirdre out here is expecting our first in about a month and I'm 41 years old and I'm sort of freaking out. <laughs> so they did an amazing job and both I believe both my siblings are here. I know at least one of them is um so we lived a humble life out there you know they were they were doing what they could to keep us fed um, but it was full of abundance uh, we had goats that we milked and drank their milk to this day i can't stand the stuff but <laughs> the we ate from our garden uh, we were members at oriana we ate brewers yeast on our popcorn we had Beehives in a sweat lodge and my mom baked bread and had a pottery studio and made all of our beans from scratch um, We heated with wood that we collected ourselves um, I was taught to respect and observe nature in the natural world as a Boy Scout um, My Boy Scout leader was a Native American and he taught us things that most people have never been lucky enough to learn before and I also got to go to the Nutcracker every year. I went to Interlocking Elementary School and got to do that. But I did live in the sticks. Um, at nine or 10 years old, um, something changed. My parents got divorced, and I was throwing a curveball. This episode changed me as a person and made me who I am today. But it, and it's, there's still struggles that I have, but that's not part of tonight's focus. Um, after a few years of, after the divorce, my mother moved us into the big city, into Traverse City. Um, I found a new sense of freedom, and I decided, my brother and I, we started to roam the mean streets of Traverse City. Um, we jumped off the train trestle into the river. We jumped off the bridge into the mouth of the boardman as well. Uh, we explored the tunnels and abandoned buildings at the commons. We ran around inside the building where filling station is located, but the doors were open, I promise. And uh, we hung out with city kids. We, we swam over that hot water bubble that used to be in front of the power plant as well. And, um, and I call this my goat milk to mosh pit transition. <laughs> um, in junior and senior high, I chose a path of least resistance. I took as many art classes as possible. I liked to design and make things. I craved creativity and homework sucked, so um, I did that. I liked non-traditional and independent learning. This is likely why I chose things like snowboarding and fishing because of that independence you get with those. So I graduated high school with a 3.2 grade point average, but I do not remember ever doing homework. I didn't never visited my locker. I do not think I ever spoke to my high school counselor about college. I chose to go to TBA because it gave me a longer lunch break. <laughs> and then, but the the universe threw me a curveball. I wanted to do um, TBA, that all my friends were in the culinary class. There's no room, so I landed in the landscape and greenhouse program. And unbeknownst to me, that pointed me in the direction of where I sit today. So after high school graduation, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My mother and my stepfather told me that if I was gonna live at home, I had to attend NMC. I chose a brand new program there that was through the university center. It was a dual program in plant science and landscape nursery management. Um, I was officially OTF, or what I call over the fence. So I I could sit in my freshman year of college and hear bells at my high school. It's unique. Um, But I liked that. Half the people I saw every day were from my school. So that was comfortable for me at that point. And I only knew about the program because I went to TBA. And I only ended up at TBA because I wanted a longer lunch break. (laughs) But it was a strange coincidence. But it was familiar, so I jumped into the program, I studied hard, and I did really well. Before graduating NMC, I, just, I started to shop around at MSU for a bachelor's degree that fit my ideals. Um, I didn't want to get a job yet, so I had to do the only option that I had, and that's more college. Um, I had the opportunity to use my credits from NMC and MSU to accelerate my studies down there, and that was huge. Um, but I almost lost my chance. I got a DUI at 19 years old, and um, I would have been a legal driver if I was 21. But zero tolerance. I was facing jail time and probation. It almost le- cost me this chance, and I, you know, to leave the nest. But I was motivated by these legal troubles, and the judge made went easy on me after I showed him my MSU acceptance letter. I cleaned up my act and decided to focus on the future, and aimed my sights on the landscape architecture program in East Lansing. And be, and I was also the first person to graduate from the NMC MSU program. So that was great. It was and I moved down there and by accident somehow I selected the most competitive undergraduate program in the entire university. So after all this path of least resistance, I chose something, unbeknownst to me, that was fairly difficult to get into. Um, Only 22 students are selected into this program per year after completing two years of prerequisites, two years of courses um, before the application that I took most of them up here at NMC. So I lucked out. I graduated and started with a clean slate. And that really is, was another benefit that sort of just happened. Um, the year that I had to apply, there were 65 students, and I was number 10. So I was happy with that. If I had used my freshman um, grade point, I might not have made it. But we studied art and colors and textures, sculptures, humanities, social science, all these things that I just gobbled up. We studied how the streets and cities in New York and Europe and Chicago were laid out and why they were laid out that way. Uh, I fit my personality well because the studies involved constant social hour at our studio, which had couches to sleep on if you needed to. Um, Most students there put in 30 plus hours of studio time per week, so those couches were needed sometimes. Our teachers actually let us sleep during class sometimes. but there was many late nights, and it evolved into a lot of supportive friends you here with 22 people, 40, 50 hours a week. We were drawing and rendering and dreaming up spaces for our courses. But we also could drink beer in the studio and play loud music, and I introduced a lot of my classmates to bands they had never heard of. Fast, Heavy, and Loud is what I remember about that. Um, and this is where I learned about green roofs. A lot of the early North American research was being done at that time at Michigan State. I walked into the first international or North American conference for Green Roofs for Healthy Cities with some of the leaders in the research um, department. They're my friends already, they're my professors. And I walked in there and I made connections and collected business cards. The industry was in its infancy at that point. Um, they're doing, in total, under a million dollars a year in 2003. 2019, that, that industry is doing between 75 and 100 million dollars per year. So that is part of the growth that I'm going to tell you about here. Um, the summer before graduation, the universe threw me another gift. I randomly went to my little sister's friend's graduation open house and met a contractor that was having a hard time figuring out how to source green roof products. I said, I know how to do that. I know who to call, and I did. I called my contacts, and I got them materials and helped them design this project. Actually, one of those two contractors was, the guy, was Thomas standing over here during the drum line, um, by chance. That's why I live in a small town here. <laughs> so this was in 2003. While I was still a student, I built my first green roof. And then as everybody prepared for graduation and was putting together their portfolios and looking where they were going to study or going on to practice landscape architecture, I was pretty certain I didn't want to be a cad monkey. That's what I call it, being in behind the computer and doing nothing too special other than fixing the mistakes of senior people. I did not want to, not senior citizens, senior, senior. <laughs> senior uh, associates. Um, And I didn't wanna spend five to 10 years waiting to be able to make design decisions. The seniority, I didn't wanna wait for that. So I told everyone that I'm gonna work in the greener industry and I'm gonna make a lot more money than you and watch me. And everyone thought that I was crazy. They didn't think that it was possible because they were sticking to what they were told was the only option. I hounded, them, I hounded my contacts in the industry relentlessly for an internship or a job. Not many people were doing green roofs at that time, so I did have to take that monkey job for a year. But then I was hired by the top in supplier and manufacturer in North America, a- entry level. But it quickly turned into 60, 70 hours a week because the industry was doubling each year. They were throwing me at all kinds of opportunity. I was helping design new systems and products and coming up with different ways of testing and flying all over the country to do that. I rose up in the ranks and I was trusted by my supervisors to be the lead on many prestigious projects. Few of them are the California Academy of Sciences in San Francisco, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation garage in in Seattle, as well as their private home. Vancouver Convention Center in Vancouver, British Columbia, the Pearl Museum in Dallas, the World Trade Center and Lincoln Center in Manhattan. I was working working hard, but I loved it. I was making, at that point, four times what I was as a cad monkey, and that was only three or four years into the job. At year eight, I was senior level technical sales coordinator, and That came with many, many responsibilities. I had helped that department in those eight years turn their profits, by multiply them by 10. So we were doing well, but I still at that point realized that I was just not happy. I was making money, but the boomerang started its journey home at this point. The travel was getting exhausting. I was on the road or in the air 30 to 35 times per year. Sometimes those trips were as crazy as show up on Monday morning, get on a plane that afternoon to Dallas, not knowing I was going on this trip, fly to Dallas, stop by Miami, hit up New York on the way home, all in five days. It was crazy, it was fun, but the allure of the money, the excitement of working, with the most famous architects, I call them, of this day and age, designing the biggest and the baddest skyscrapers and everything that you see and all the sexy renderings. Those are the people I was sitting across the table from. But it was no, no longer strong enough to hold me in Chicago. I just wasn't happy wearing a tie. I was tired of the road. I wanted, my cu- I wanted to know my customers. I wanted to know how my work affected them from day to day and how it changed their lives. I wanted a connection with the community, my people, similar to what I had had at MSU and during uh, my high school years. So I spent nearly two years planning my departure. I was being very cautious because I knew I had something really good going but after six and a half years without a car, I decided to purchase one so that I could come up to Traverse City more often and test the water. I did research, I rekindled with local connections that had faded and cautiously moved forward. When I quit, I was asked to stay. They offered me more money and they were worried that I was going to a competitor. Um, but I told them what I was doing, and they thought I was crazy coming back to this town with my credentials. But I just told them bye, and I left. <laughs> um, I was not, it was not easy to leave that money after such a humble beginning, making bonus checks that were like, just blowing my mind every year. They were trying to keep me there. But I was also earning the money. I could have afforded all of the toys that I wanted. But, you know, and the person some days when I, as an entrepreneur, you'll look back and say, what the hell am I doing? I look back at the guy that has that job and he's making many more dollars than I was making. But it doesn't really matter to me most days because <laughs> I'm here and they're not. <laughs> you know, they're, they're living in that life and they never get to enjoy a random, last-minute walk uh, out an Empire or something. And I finally made the leap. In 2013, I founded Inhabitat on the belief that designing, building, and growing the places and spaces we inhabit is critical to our combined futures. I wanted to be my own boss, to give entrepreneurship a try before it was too late. And you don't know until you try is the attitude I had. I use my skill set, my passion in green infrastructure industry to accelerate this venture. I I still have connections all over the world, probably five continents around the world I have people that I know that I could call and work with if I needed to. I work hard to bring people together. I try to educate decision makers and to support design teams and contractors and owners throughout the entire construction process. I work on ecologically mindful landscapes, vegetation on, green, on rooftops, blue roofs, living roofing spaces, people hanging out on rooftops, managing stormwater and site planning and design, shoreline restoration as well, which is a big one this year with around here. And then new for 2020, Um, partnering with my wife and another couple. We're actually starting a construction company, a development company, and building new stock Airbnbs. We're gonna use the green technologies that I know about and provide a really unique opportunity for uh, people visiting this region to see it from a different perspective. Things are working out, and the plan is really coming together. I've landed some really great projects in the region. In one case, the project was literally in my backyard. I was working with people that understood my roots. They knew what a two-track was or a pole barn was. (laughs) Like these people in Chicago, they just didn't know that. (laughs) And people that enjoy the outdoors and they have the fresh air in their blood. You know, my community seems to be very excited about what I'm doing and that energizes me. So my re-entry into Traverse City has had some bumps at times, both on the personal and professional levels. But I'm home, and now I have it hit a comfortable stride. I have wonderful employees growing my company. 2020 is going to probably be a record year for us. The beautiful wife with a baby boy on the way. Um, Our relationship is also a boomerang. We were together and came back together like a decade later. And I'm, I'm closer to my family and friends. I'm home and the boomerang has landed. So my challenge, dream big, plan and believe in yourself. I challenge you all to select one dream that you have and put it, on, it onto paper. Explore what it, it would take to achieve that goal. Double check your strategy, create a backup plan and take action if it's right for you and your family. If you ask me, it's better to regret something you have done instead of something you haven't done. Thanks.